Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Chiefs, Niners, Super Bowl 54, that's the matchup. The Kansas City Chiefs beat Tennessee 35-24. Wasn't that close. San Francisco 49ers beat the Green Bay Packers 37-20. Wasn't even close to that close. And it is going to be a fun matchup to talk about for the next couple of weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. The number one offense, the number one defense, the couple of young quarterbacks and obviously the the probably MVP of the league in Patrick Mahomes, the potential of a first ever one for Andy Reid, and obviously the first shot at this thing for a, you know, outstanding young coach in Kyle Shanahan. We could talk about all that stuff and we certainly will, but let's review the games because frankly, championship weekend is is great and it's great fun and the atmosphere and the environments and with the two home teams winning, that certainly adds to the flavor of it. But these were bad football games, man. These were blowouts, in you know, basically. The Chiefs, they, their, their final sort of dagger in this thing was that touchdown pass from uh, uh, Mahomes to Watkins kind of on a run, like always, just 50 yards, winging it out there, no big deal. With about, what is that, eight, maybe nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, something like that, that that happened. And it was 35-17 at that point. Done. Done deal. Like, Tennessee's not scoring three touchdowns or three times uh, in in the final seven, eight minutes of a football game, especially the way they play. They ended up scoring once. Okay, that's about right. But they, you know, they fall by 11. And the San Francisco 49ers did whatever they want all day long. Listen, Raheem Mostert, was obviously missed by a lot of teams. I think he was cut by seven different teams before he finally landed in San Francisco. He had zero rushing yards prior to his career in San Francisco. 
he's really good. The Green Bay Packers made him look like a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, 220 yards rushing, averaged like eight yards a carry. 200.6, yep. Excuse me, 280 yards, 85 yards as a team on the ground. Four touchdowns for Mostert. An embarrassment. An embarrassment for the Green Bay Packers defensively. The the, the side of the ball that I thought had maybe been, and they had been up to this point, the most improved. They had been a team that had played really well in a lot of ways, but they got done to them exactly what was done the first time. And San Francisco, would they would never lose to the Green Bay Packers. Never. If they kept playing this game for eternity with these players on this field, San Francisco will never lose. And by the way, tip of the cap to Mike Person, who is on the offensive line that got this thing done, because this was when when a guy like Raheem Mostert does what he does, Look, good for you. You had a great day. This was all about hole after hole after hole, and there is nobody home for the Green Bay Packers, and they got outcoached, and they got outplayed, and when you lose it schematically and you lose it physically, you got no shot, and the San Francisco 49ers deserve everything they got, and the Green Bay Packers do too, a one-way trip trip back to Wisconsin. The... We'll start with the Chiefs game. The Chiefs are so explosive offensively that once they get it rolling, even if they don't come out the gates hot, I mean, they spotted Tennessee a 10 nothing lead and then just blitzed them. I mean, they scored, I think, five of the next six times. And so uh, th- that in itself is going to give them a chance against anybody. I'm going to be so interested to see how they react. Th- their home field advantage is so so unreal. Yeah. And outstanding. And Mahomes is just so good when he's playing to that crowd and you could just see the momentum. No, he's pretty good anyway. No, he's he's so good, period. But you could just see the momentum they were able to build the last two weeks. And as soon as they get it rolling, there's just like this tipping point and then they just become literally unstoppable. I mean, I've never really even the great offenses the league has seen there's very few teams that can score on four and five consecutive possessions and Kansas City can and that that is what makes them so dangerous mm-hmm. as far as the Niners Packers game goes I, I just don't know what the game plan was if you're the Packers I mean pack it up they got no they they were just flat I mean Matt LaFleur was flat out coached completely the, the, I mean the, Matt LaFleur was 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 exposed as what he is which is you know probably a pretty good look you're in the, N- the NFC championship game it's great He's straight up out coached by a guy who is is at another level from what he's at. And by the way, Mike Pettin too. I mean, what are we doing, Mike Pettin? You've been around this league a little while, and totally, you can't like there is no scenario in which you are making any play defensively. They went three and out on the first series. San Francisco did, and you go, wow, okay. And that was it. That's all the tape that San Francisco needed to go. This is how we're going to destroy this team for the next fifty nine minutes. The San Francisco's offensive line was certainly getting a good push. But to me, the run fits for the Packers just looked off. It, it's one thing to – I mean, you just never see in the NFL in the playoffs guys getting loose consistently for 9, 11, over, 12, over 13, over. 13. Yep. When they were running toss. They were running counter. They were running whatever they wanted. And, again, it was good play by the – by the offensive line, by the pack or by the Niners, but also there was something wrong with what the Packers were doing. Yes, I mean they were getting out of their lanes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? No, like I mean, I, I I hear you. I mean, here's the thing: it's like the zone blocking scheme that the San Francisco 49ers run is 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 uh, 
effect, very effective, clearly. Very and it allows them Mike Shanahan-esque. to run wherever they want. I mean, you talk about using the full 53 yards of width to find gaps and spots to go. But they just had the thing dialed in, and there was just no answer. There's nobody home for Green Bay, and and that is, you know, it was disappointing. Because here, the other thing that's disappointing is when you put up a goose egg and a half, and I mean, the one really good drive that Green Bay has, the center snaps the ball into his own underpants while Aaron Rodgers is falling backwards and things on the ground. You just turn the thing over at or near the red zone of the opponent on a drive where you desperately got to have it. Then they go down and score. And then Aaron Rodgers throws an interception, which is a bad, I mean, that's a bad throw by him. He, he got, he got played in that, in, in on that throw and scored on yet another touchdown. Now going into the break, it's 27-0 and it was already over, but it's really over. I mean, it's over at halftime at that point. Great for you scoring 20 points in the second half. That's all well and good. I will say this. There's a lot of people who are on Aaron Rodgers today and going, hey, Green Bay, the you're at the at or near the end of the road with Aaron Rodgers. That's stupid. That is stupid. Aaron Rodgers went, what did he go, 33? Uh, uh, 31-39. 31-39. 326 yards. He had the two interceptions. The second one, by the way, Garbage was at the time. end of the game. I mean, which which you know was not all that important. And he was just fine with the exception of the one interception that he had. They ran the ball as a team for 62 yards. 62 yards. This is against like the 17th ranked rush defense in football. And by the way, this had nothing to do about the offense. I mean, they needed to score some points in the in the first half and didn't. So it is have to do with them. But it. it it doesn't matter. If you give up seven to eight yards per carry 40 times in a dang football game, that's the only thing you need to know. That's it. I just couldn't believe they didn't adjust and make Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball. I mean, he only threw eight Six passes. of eight. The, Six of eight in a professional football he, game. I mean, To on, go to the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo. Honestly, he only, I think he only faced three third downs of six yards or more. And he was three of three. The, uh, half of his pass completions came on the only three third longs that they faced. Why would you ever do anything? Eight is four too many in this football game. That's stupid. Just keep giving the ball away. Just keep turning around and handing the thing off. Well, the thing is they did. I mean, the, two of the completions, one of them was the long one to Debo Samuel, and the mm-hmm. other one was a short one to Debo Samuel early. And then... Out of halftime, George Kittle hadn't had a touch, and they threw the one pass to George Kittle for one a 19 catch. yard yep. gain. Yep. And that was it. Then, uh, then after that, that's that's what they did turn around and hand the ball off. So, yeah. it, it, fascinating that the Niners have employed this four back system all year, and then it became a one man show. Mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman dislocated his shoulder, so that gave an open or elbow, maybe. Or some, something yeah. I, yeah. I, I, the, the report is that. His right shoulder. That, that's from okay. ESPN.com. Okay. Um, and Matt Breed only touched the ball once. Yep. And that was it. 29 of the 42 carries were by Mostert. So he emerges as the feature guy. And I mean, 220 yards, that's the second most single, that's the second highest single game total in the history of the playoffs. Yeah. You don't, I mean, here's the thing with, with, with the, the most striking part about it is I, I bet you that. I, I would reckon that 85 to 90% of 200-yard rushing games by a single player in NFL history include a run of 50 yards or more. His longest run was 36 yards. Mm-hmm. 
So that just shows you, I mean, it, it really was just gash you over and over and over. I mean, I couldn't believe it. It was second and three. Now it's first and ten. Second and three, first and ten. Just over and over and so, over again. I couldn't believe it. They, I mean, I, I don't know what they're what Green Bay is going to do when they watch this film. But, again, the Niners deserve a ton of credit. But there was something awry. Like, it was, it was Green Bay had it wrong. They had the whole answer to every answer on the test was, was wrong. Completely wrong. Because they do have... They have the personnel to be better than this. Look, San Francisco is right. the number two rushing team in the league, and the number one team is 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 the Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. and it's Lamar Jackson. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean that's the thing. If you're talking about a team that's actually straight up handing the ball off and running it, they're the best. So good for them. Yep. They doubled their average in this game. Right. And and that is unacceptable. I mean, there there is there is a bunch of critique to be happening inside that coaching staff because these are the games you get to and then you lose them, and that that you can't lose like that. Can't lose like that, even to this team. I find the the AFC Championship game it's so. I mean, it wasn't nearly as dramatic as the as the divisional round, but to again be down ten nothing and go okay, well, what's going on here? And now are they just going to start handing the ball off? And I thought, you want to talk about a run defense? How about what Kansas City did against the best running back in football in terms of yardage? Gave 69 yards on the ground, the one score early, but they bottled up Derrick Henry. He, I understand that, that, that Tennessee was down in this game and had to go more pass and did, you know, that it developed in the way they didn't want it to, where they needed to try and keep up a little bit. They still rushed the ball 19 times with Derrick Henry for only 69 yards. I mean, three and a half yards a carry is what he did. You're going to win that football game against Tennessee if you're able to take away their best player in that way. And and I didn't think Kansas City could. Like I didn't think Kansas City was the team that was going to stop Derrick Henry. I mean, after the New England Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens, and he runs wild. So I give him a ton of credit. Obviously, the pressure that that offense then turns and puts on the opposing offense is real. Like it's it's real. What what. Mahomes and Watkins and Hill and Kelsey, what that whole group are, is able to accomplish forces, I think, the hand of offensive coordinators and head coaches. And I think that they end up not being true to themselves in instances because they feel this this blistering pace and this sort of level of inevitability like this team's going to score again. I mean, I think it's so telling that two teams were up double digits on the Kansas City Chiefs and still went for it on fourth down. Vrabel went for it uh, on fourth down and got it on a fourth and two. Last week, Houston, they went for it on a fake punt and didn't get it, and they were up like 20, I think it was 24-7. It might have been 24-14 at that point, but I mean, that was an absolutely, like you're in the driver's seat and you are going for it on fourth down on your own 30-yard line on a fake punt. I mean, you know, you got no answer defensively for the other team if you're trying to pull that off like Houston was and I thought some of that was at play with this Tennessee club uh, in this game also though Tennessee was just overmatched I mean they had this really great run they played really really well they got further than anybody thought I realize that's no probably solace to them they're professional football players but Kansas City is the better team by the way obviously so is San Francisco I mean the two best teams they're playing each other in the Super Bowl and that is good I'm happy about that Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. 
Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. couple questions for you. Yeah. Number one, is Tennessee real or is this just a flash in the pan? I think they're real, but I don't know that that means, hey, see you in next year's AFC championship game. Right. I, this is a really good football team, and I think they're built for the long haul. Derrick Henry's still a young guy. I mean, I know he's he, – He'll be old care, soon. He will. He will. But he ain't now, and he won't be this forthcoming year, I don't think. Until – I mean, but you never know, man. You're just – you're one play away. Well, Okay. But I mean, you're asking me about what they got and what they got yeah, right yeah, now. No, what I, they I got right now is, and they have a, a, a standing just, young wide receiver in Brown. I'm checking his touches and a big time step up at quarterback. It looks like in Ryan Tannehill, and sometimes you know it's about fit and system. And Ryan Tannehill clearly is, you know, found himself in the right place to be as successful as he can be. Now, is he the long term answer? I think that's a big question for Tennessee because I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I do think they need to get a little better defensively. I mean, they're they're good. They're not great defensively. What do they need? I mean, they need pass rush. They need a pass rush. Yeah, I mean, they 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 really do. And so, you know, that's I mean, everybody does, but I think that that's something that they're lacking. But I think they have great coaching, right? I mean, it, 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 they look like they got their guy in that capacity. And they obviously have a great running game, very good offensive line. So I think they're they are a really they're a legit team. I agree. I think they need an edge. Uh, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is a is a good player, but I mean they're running this they're running an odd man front, and if and they have such good inside guys. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons, Daquan Jones, and Drill Casey are all really good. They just need that guy coming off of the edge to really put pressure on. So what's we'll your see. other question? My other question. Is what same same thing? What do the Packers need to do? Well, they need another legit like top end threat in the pass game. Uh, it's Devonte Adams and then whoever else is running around. I mean, that's how the, good does that guy need to be? Does he need to be like Kendrick Bourne good, or does he need to be like? Uh, well, you know what Chris I Chris Godwin good. You know what I would love to see? What do the two teams have in common that are going to the Super Bowl? All pro tight ends. Yeah. And it's crazy Aaron Rodgers has never really had one. I mean, they have tried and tried and tried again to find the guy at that spot and 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 they haven't. They haven't. They got Jimmy Graham too late and the other Rodgers was never, you know, never panned out to be the guy. Mercedes Lewis is there. He's at the end of his. So, I mean, that is the area that I would, you know, I think it would be awesome. I, I mean, look, George Kittle doesn't grow on trees, okay? We all understand that. It's not like you can just go out and get him. But um, if they could find somebody along those lines, uh, I think that would be a, a huge, huge help. And because Aaron Rodgers can still make wide receivers into 
really good players, you know? And the other thing too, man, and I I mean, defensively, I think they're they're actually personnel wise decent. You know? They could use another really good linebacker, but they got they have a pass rush right now. Yeah. They can always bolster it, deepen it, all that kind of stuff. And they have a good young secondary, all things considered. It's not great, but it's good. So I think that's good. But they got to the NFC Championship game. They went 14-3. and three. They also, I mean, this feels a little bit like the FCS, doesn't it? Because the gap between them and the two best teams in this league is enormous. It's enormous well, th- right now. That's because I don't think that the Packers are the third best team. I'm not saying they are, but they were there. They were. I mean, I think the, the Saints are better than the Packers are. The Ravens. I think the Ravens are better than the Packers are. I think the, Ra- the, the Packers are probably the fifth or sixth best team in the NFL. And and look, if you again, what do, what do we say? If, if you're going into the league into league play, we we're talking about this in the NBA. But if you if you think you have a five percent or better chance of going to the Super Bowl, that's pretty good. There's a lot of teams, half the teams in this league, zero chance of going to the Super Bowl, zero. Okay, so if you have a five to ten percent chance, to say nothing of a fifteen. I mean that that's great, and they have that. Uh, but they the, the deficiencies are very clear, and you know they they're a decent running football team. They're not a good enough running football team. They're obviously not a good enough run stopping football team. Although I consider this to be more anomalous than anything else, but it can't happen in the biggest moments. Look, if this happens in the regular season, which it did, by the way, they just didn't learn anything from it or couldn't. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe Kyle, Han- Kyle Shanahan is just an alien. Maybe he's just better than everybody else, and nobody's going to get it. But, um, you know, that was that was disappointing. That was the most disappointing part of it for uh, Packer fans. What Shanahan does is so simple. That's what's so brilliant about it. They're running all sorts of motions that they've never run before. But the plays that they run behind the motion is the same. It was kind of crazy to see because the pre-snap motions – They've always been sort of a part of the NFL, but not at the prevalence that they've been in the college game the last 10 years. And in the college game, it's so much just about deceiving kids, making kids mess up. That's what you want to do in college. Get them in space, get them one-on-one, miss a tackle, gone. It's so much rarer in the NFL. And so to see a team just have their heads spinning by all the pre-snap motions, it was just honestly wild. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't believe it. But. It, it was wasn't it disappointing though, Coulter, that neither of these games was as a, from a football standpoint a, a a really good game. You know, like yes, these, it was. These, these two games they did not come down to it. No, right at all. The reason I asked about the Packers is because when you get to this point, when you are one of the top five or six teams in the league, you have to make decisions on where are you going to go next. Jimmy Garoppolo had a funny tweet. He said. My ACL was 100% worth Nick Bosa. Right. It's a joke, but it's also so true. Mm-hmm. You get Jimmy Garoppolo tears his ACL, you get the you get a chance to be bad and then you get a chance to draft that guy. The likelihood of you going and signing somebody like that to bolster an NFL caliber roster is just so rare. That's right. That's why I'm wondering about with the Packers like sure, a tight end or a, a premier receiver opposite Devonte Adams could help them so much. But do they sacrifice I mean, their two tackles and their center were the, were the highest graded players at their positions in the league. So those three guys are the best offensive linemen, according to Pro Football Focus, at their specific positions in the NFL. I've just it, it, the, the Vikings are such a great parallel. The Vikings, the narrative was they need to get a quarterback. They need someone better than Case Keenum 
Well, they sacrificed then by not. They tried to not resign Anthony Barr. They ended up resigning him anyways. But then they don't resign John Sullivan, their center. They don't resign Phil Lodeholt, the right tackle. And then you go get Kirk Cousins, but to what avail? They were terrible on the offensive no, line. I mean, the. the, the yeah, I mean, so you the Green Bay it. Packers are not going to do what the Minnesota Vikings have done because the Green Bay Packers are winners. So let's start there. And they're, they're, yes, they have the they point. Have a the great point is the point is that they just gonna, it, it just really it, the point is that there's only one way for the Packers to do this. They got to hit gold in the draft. They're not signing anybody. Well, I mean, okay. I mean, first of all, they signed Zadarius Smith. Yeah. Okay. So there are opportunities out there in free agency to get a guy who is a hugely impactful player. And so that's true. But yeah, this is, I mean, that's what the league is. You got to draft really well. The good thing for Green Bay to me is this. They're going to, they're, they're, I don't know if they're going to be 28th or 29th in the draft order this year, but one of those two, they're going to be down at the bottom. But also, if you need linebackers and receivers, that's usually a pretty good place to get some really good guys because, you know, you're not trying to find a quarterback. You're not trying to find an elite offensive lineman yet. Now, if you, if somebody is there, certainly get them because the depth that you need is is always the case when it comes to the offensive line. But, um, you know, they, they have an opportunity to actually get better in areas of need even late in the draft. I think that's a good thing. Uh, how much better are they going to get compared to other teams who are also presumably going to be trying to answer the exact same questions everybody is? Uh, that's that's the question. And we'll, we'll find out soon enough. One final note, because I know we got to get out. Mike Person, offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers. He's a Glendive native, a Montana State alum, and yep. he will be it, it, a little gray area here. By my count, there's been eight previous Montana natives that have played in the Super Bowl, but that's if you count Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler was actually technically born in Coeur d'Alene, but he went to grade school in Big Fork and and Kalispell high school Flathead. high school in Kalispell. Uh-huh. So I consider him a Montanan. Sure. I don't really know what he, I mean, regardless, so it's either eight or nine. Very rare thing. Also the sixth MSU alum to play uh, in the Super Bowl. And it's Mike Person specifically, perhaps more than any other player that has any sort of Montana ties. What a story. Mm -hmm. Mike Person came to Montana State as a half-scholarship guy and ended up being the captain on the 2010 Big Sky Championship team, which was the first of three straight for the Cats. He was really, he was the pillar that helped them get the thing rolling under Rob Ash. And then when he gets to the NFL, he's a seventh-round draft pick by the 49ers. But Mike Person literally went down to the very last day. You could only be on practice squads in the NFL for a certain amount of time. Three years, I think. Three years. And he went down to the very last day Mm -hmm. you could be on a practice squad. And it was either the phone is going to ring or my NFL career is over. And it rang, and he gets a chance with the St. Louis Rams. He'd already been cut by multiple franchises, multiple teams. And he gets to St. Louis, and he plays his way on the active roster for just one week. Then an injury falls down, and then he gets a chance to start. He's overwhelmed. He's overmatched at first. And then it, he has to fight his way to make the roster the next year. They try to outsign him. But then because of one stretch, one six-week stretch, where he was actually starting towards the second season with the Rams, then he gets a shot with the Falcons as a, a true starter. They sign mm-hmm. him to the veteran minimum, and he goes in as a starter 
And now here with that was with the Falcons. Now here he is back full circle in San Francisco. And he's been a multiple. He's his second year as a starter. When it's all said and done, he was cut five times. He's played for six different teams, two of them twice. He was released in the middle of the season three different times. And now here he is, 34 years old, playing his first Super Bowl. Yep. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. Golder, it's time for our prep extra segment. It's brought to us by the Farmers State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. I want to do a little call to action here before we get uh, to this prep extra. Thanks, Farmers State Bank, for being a part of it. In the sports center there, it said nine Montanans Mm -hmm. that have played in the Super Bowl. So... By my list, Dwan Edwards of Columbus, Brock Osweiler of Kalispell, Brock, Brock Coyle of Bozeman, Dane Fletcher of Bozeman, Rich Dennison, who I can't remember where he's from, but I think he played at Colorado State, Pat Ogren, Pat Donovan, Jerry Kramer. Those last four guys were... And uh, now Mike uh, Person. A little bit, now. now Mike Person. Those last four guys didn't go to... They were from Montana. They went to school outside of the state for college and then went to the NFL. The Montana State alums... Jan Stenerud, Ron East, Sam McCollum, who he's kind of in that same gurry as Brock Osweiler's is. Sam McCollum moved to Montana when he was in high school. He went to Flathead High School as well and ended up playing in the Super Bowl. Tony Bodie, Dane Fletcher, and Mike Person. So six Bobcats. I've been really trying to find Grizz. Brock Coyle, at least to my knowledge, is the only Montana native who played at the University of Montana who's played in the Super Bowl. Mm. That's pretty cool. The only other Grizz I could think of that has played in the Super Bowl is Jimmy Ferris. Mm. Played for the New England Patriots. Yeah. I even I even texted uh, former sports information director Dave Guffey, and he said that Jimmy Ferris was the other one he could think of too. So my call to action for you, whether you're listening on the radio or on SWX, the info, Coulter? I, I want to know if anybody out there knows, of, first of all, any other native Montanans besides the ones that I named that maybe went to school elsewhere or whatever that made, that played in the Super Bowl, and also any University of Montana alums that then went and played in the Super Bowl. Or Mike, other Montana State. Or, yeah, or other Montana too. State, yeah, too. I'm, sure. pretty, I'm pretty confident in the Montana State list. Okay. Uh, the other one mentioned, Bill Kohler, coached in the Super Bowl for the Denver Broncos. He's an MSU alum as well. But give us a call, 329-1899, because I would love to know the, the, the Tim true, Houck, of course. Tim, Tim Houck coached the Super Bowl. There's a lot of guys for the Grizz that – barely missed it, right? Like Mike Tillman played for the Vikings in the late 60s, but then went on and played for the Oilers and the Falcons, so he missed that 70s run where the Vikings won four NFC Championship games. Um, Tim Houck 
barely missed with the Eagles. He was with the Eagles from like. Did you say the Vikings won four NFC championship games? In the they 70s? played four Super Bowls in the seventies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, they lost all four. In case you were wondering. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, give us a call, 329-1899, if you know any other native Montanans or University of Montana alums that have played in the Super Bowl, because uh, this is a stat that I'm pretty confident in, but I, in case we miss somebody, you never know. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that know a lot of stuff, so just in case. Very good. Uh, Coulter, a few local winners at the Jug Beck Classic Wrestling Tournament. Helena Capital upset number two Missoula Sentinel in boys' hoops, by the way. And uh, uh, Missoula Hellgate girls, they're 7-1. They're number two in the state. Uh, and also, uh, an update, like I said, in the wrestling for the, the Jugbeck Classic. And also, the MH, MHSA has voted to allow girls, in not, not girls into wrestling, but to set up girls wrestling. Uh, girls have been wrestling and boys wrestling for a while now. Uh, and I'm interested in this. I'm wondering about the numbers of this, Colter, because... A wrestling team, I mean, how many different, I don't know how many different weight classes there are on the boys' side, but it's it's a, I mean, it's it's a number. I mean, it's, you know, got to be seven, eight of them at least. And so I would think, I, I'm interested to know how many schools are going to have enough participants on the girls' side to fill up the classifications if you're going to have less classifications to match right. maybe the numbers that yeah. would be and and also just how big of a demand is there uh, out there for you know how many girls act, you know want to wrestle and uh, and participate in that so I, I think that's they they you would think that those questions certainly would have been yeah, right. asked and talked about in the in the discussions leading up to this vote but I'm interested to see how it actually shakes out when they when they put this into play yeah I mean this news broke just about an hour before our show so I haven't been able to do research into the specifics I wouldn't be surprised if it was more like you had like boxing style weight classes where it's you're a welterweight or you're a light heavyweight or you're a heavyweight or something not the specific weight not yeah you're not at 122 so or whatever so maybe like yes. say for example girls between 125 and yeah. 145 are in the it's got to be welterweight cate- category right. or whatever it might be but it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see what the numbers are like. I mean, I'm sure that in some, especially a little bit less metropolitan, quote unquote, by Montana standards, towns, there could be a lot of gals that are ready to lace them up. We'll, we'll see. In terms of the the boys wrestling, that Missoula Big Sky is is having a great year. They're probably one of the top three or four teams in the state. They yep. should be in the mix for a trophy. It's been a long time since a Missoula team won a, a state championship in wrestling, at least 25 years, maybe longer. But even just being in the mix, especially with some of the schools with such high enrollments, would be a huge accomplishment. Uh, but Bridger Hall is a good story. He placed fourth at the Class AA state meet last year at Hellgate. And then he, this is kind of the you know the open enrollment thing is a controversial thing in, in Missoula, certainly. But And Big Sky has really suffered, especially in basketball. I mean, Cam Lawrence went to Hellgate this offseason. It just, just fortify an already stacked Hellgate team and leave a Big Sky team that only won one game last year, kind of high and dry. But on the other side, Big Sky has established itself as the wrestling power. So they got Bridger Hall in. He won his weight class. He won the 170 weight, 171 pound weight class at the Jugbeck Rocky Mountain Classic over the weekend. That's 30 teams from around the region. That, so that's a huge deal to win that thing. And his teammate, Hunter Meisen, also uh, was a champion at the Jugbeck Classic. And, and the... Uh, the Tom LaProuse and Bozeman, the Jug Beck, 
Yeah, those are kind of the big invitational tournaments, and then you start to get into like the city meet, the divisional meet. But, yeah. but we're ramping up when it comes to wrestling, and, and Big Sky deserves some credit for for being. I mean, that's probably their best sport right now, going at Big Sky as far as winter sports goes. So good job by the Big Sky Eagles in terms of wrestling. Uh, and then in high school hoops, Missoula Sentinel off got off to a seven and zero start, just like um, Missoula Hellgate. But the Spartans lost seventy two fifty nine to Parker Johnson who's Mackenzie Johnson's little brother, hmm. Mackenzie Johnson, point guard for the Lady Grizz. Yep. He had 17 points uh, to pace capital. The Bruins went on an 18-6 run in the fourth quarter, and uh, so Sentinel suffers their first loss. Helena Capital was ranked number five last week. They're sure to be probably top three this week after yeah. knocking knock off the second-ranked Spartans. 72-59, by the way, the final. 72-59. Alex Germer, who's the younger son of Montana offensive line coach Chad Germer, he... Has emerged, you know. I mean, Ch- Chad's a huge guy. He played in the NFL for a moment in time, and has been on and off the offensive line coach at Montana for the better part of twenty, even twenty-five years. And uh, it, one of his sons, Nick Germer, has been playing for the Montana football team. He's actually not on the roster now, so I'm not sure we need to confirm what his status is with the Grizz or not. But Alex Germer, the younger Germer, he's a real Division One basketball recruit. I mean, he got offered by Montana State to play hoops, and so uh, he he had twenty-seven points in that game. But his recruitment will be fun to watch because. I don't think people really necessarily expected Chad Germer to have a basketball right. playing well, it, son. This was the thing too. And it, I watched uh, I watched uh, uh, Alex play last year, play basketball. And if you know Chad Germer and you know what Chad Germer looks like, he's a house. Uh, I mean, he's, 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 he's a six, properly six. he's a proper offensive lineman. Okay, yeah. you're right. You and and Alex Germer is a big kid. Tall, but right. he's a, he's a straight basketball right. body. I mean, you talk well, about Nick, Nick was a very good basketball player right. too. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what he decides to do. I don't know what his you know what his football prospects are. And again, a guy with that size and that lineage, you probably you know you probably get pretty big if he wants to at some point in his life. Uh, but uh, a very good basketball player, like you said, and twenty seven points for Sentinel uh, in, in the loss. Harden, they beat Lewistown, dominated them 88-40. It felt very much like the San Francisco-Green Bay game here. Famous left hand, 25 points in this basketball game uh, for a kid who's you know one of the best players in the state, any any level. And uh, if you get a chance to watch Harden play and watch famous left hand go to work, uh, it's pretty good. 25 points in that game against Lewistown uh, on the boys' side. I'm interested. I'll give you guys an update because I'm going to read this tonight. But... Um, 406mtsports.com. The Vic Flores of the Billings Gazette is actually a guy I used to work alongside when he was in Idaho Falls. He wrote a feature about Famous Left Hand, and it's titled, Being Famous, Brushes with Death Have Strengthened Harden's Famous Left Hand. Mm. First of all, what a headline. Second of all, brushes multiple with death. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what the details are. I'm going to read this and report back. But it sounds as if the kid has, has had... Um, a tumultuous life, but he's an outstanding player. I mean, they yeah. were they were state champions when he was a sophomore, and they were the runner up a year ago. And seems as if Harden has the inside track once again. So, um, just for his name alone, <laughs> he's always going to be memorable around the state of Montana. But it seems as if he's the next great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've there's been so many great and legendary Native American basketball players in the state of Montana, and famous left hand is atop that list right now. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. 
And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. DraftScout.com, one of a couple of entities that does some rankings of, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can do it by school, by position, by conference and so forth, but DraftScout puts out a top 100 list of potential NFL prospects from small schools, FCS schools and the like. Dante Olsen is number 20 on their list that they put out of FCS uh, or lower uh, prospects uh, in terms of the, the, the level that puts him, uh, according to them, at either a seventh round or preferred walk-on type of uh, spot. Undrafted free agent. Yeah. And uh, and I think that that – yeah, I said preferred walk-on like college. Thank you. Um, but – I think that actually is about now. I don't know any uh, anybody who's on the list, so I'm not sitting here saying the number twenty ranking is right. I'm saying as I sit here right now, seventh round or uh, you know an undrafted free agent um, is is probably about right. But I think that that has a very good likelihood to rise over the next couple of weeks. I mean, he had he led uh, the West in tackles in the uh, East West Shrine game, and again, once the numbers come out, that's going to be I think really influential. And I expect. Dante Olson to test well uh, either in the pro day and or the combine depending on what uh, you know what his future looks like in that respect I mean part of it's this position of need I mean looking at the list right now and some of these guys I can tell you they are I mean they're probably better pro prospects than Dante Olson slightly but also they just play positions where teams are going to be more apt to use draft picks on a guy like Adam Troutman from Troutman excuse me from Dayton He's widely considered the best tight end, one of, if not the best tight end prospect in this draft period. So, I mean, if you're the best player at your position, you're going to be probably a top 100, 120 pick, you'd assume. There's also some other guys like Kyle Dugar from, or Duggar, excuse me, from Lenore Ryan and Ben Barch from St. John's. Those guys, I mean, when you're playing at non-even Division II schools, like NAIA-type schools, mm-hmm. sometimes your star rises even faster because you you get identified as an NFL guy and then you get the hype as that guy um, with no other of your peers being that right. guy. So, But as far as guys that are listed ahead of him, I mean, James Robinson from Illinois State, okay, that doesn't really surprise me. The running back from Illinois State, I mean, he's, he's outstanding. He's the really, best guy I saw. Really good, yep. Pete Guerrero from Monmouth. I mean, Dante Olson won that matchup. When Monmouth played here, but Guerrero, I mean, he's he's productive. I can see that. Jonah Williams from Weaver State, that's interesting. Rondell Carter from James Madison, that's interesting. Uh, touchdown Charlie, the big tight end from Portland State. I mean, some of these guys, you know, it, it, if you're in the top 20 of these small school prospects, like a guy like Cam Gill from Wagner, I've seen Cam Gill play live before. He played in Bozeman a couple of years ago. 
he's number 17, Dante Olson's number 20. It's just all going to come down to how do you run. I mean, if Cam Gill runs a 4-7 and Dante Olson runs a 4-5, that's going to switch. If not, it's not. It's interesting, though. I saw a scout say that the Senior Bowl is generally considered the guys that they think are the best prospects, and then the East-West Shrine game is the next tier. So it's just a general rule of thumb that if you play in the Senior Bowl, you're probably projected as between a first and fourth or fifth round pick. And if you play in the East-West Shrine game, you're probably projected as a fourth to seventh round pick. So Dante Olson was in the second one of those. I don't know. I, th- I think he could play his way up to fourth round, and I also wouldn't be surprised if if he wasn't drafted at all. We'll see. It all comes down to what happens these next six to eight weeks. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting spot to be and, you know, the the places you can go. And, again, all you need is is – one team or maybe two teams to you know sit there and go yeah this is a guy we got to have we think this guy is really good we think he can really play and uh we're gonna you know we're gonna use a draft pick on him so uh we'll uh, we'll see it'll be a fun process though no matter what boys and girls thanks for being with us today fun show we send you out to boston the boston celtics tied with the los angeles lakers 17 apiece 541 left in the first quarter send you out to P.J. Carlissimo and Mark Kestisher on the call in Boston, Massachusetts for a little bit of NBA action. Only one football game left in the season. Colts, you got to start getting the hoops thing going here a little bit. Why not go old school rivalry Celtics-Lakers? Boys and girls, enjoy. Thanks for being with us on ESPN Radio on Tutel Nuanas. We will see you tomorrow. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.